Blog Talk Radio. Talking Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with John Harlow and Philip Matthew for this episode of Talking in Circles. A great episode, guys. We got we're going to be talking about Dover. Um, we'll review that. What we what all thoughts were on the race on that and the finish with Kevin Harvick. We'll talk about um, the All Star race. What we think we're going to see. Uh, who we think is going to do well in the All Star race and what we think about the format. What changes would we make? Uh, also, we have uh, the Kevin Harvick situation, which got a lot of publicity this weekend, this whole week. We'll discuss that and many other things. We'll take your phone calls at 917-889-8280 here tonight on a Friday edition of Talking in Circles, which allows us to talk to you guys tonight because there's no trucks over uh, Sprint Showdown due to rain, which will be run Sprint Showdown 11 o'clock tomorrow, if you're not aware, and a truck series will be noon tomorrow. But first... Let's break down Dover. Matt Kenseth, his first win of 2016, 37th of his NASCAR Sprint Cup Series career. Uh, a great finish that I thought, guys, uh, John Holland, we'll start with you first. I thought the, the great finish between Chase Elliott and, and really Kyle Larson and, and Matt Kenseth, uh, it masked what I thought was a lackluster middle start to the race. I'm not a big fan of track position. I would like to see more passing on a racetrack, but there's no doubt with Kyle Larson chasing down Matt Kenseth, I thought it was a very interesting finish to that race, uh, the Triple A 400 at Dover. John Holler, your thoughts on that on that race at Dover? I like the way Kyle Larson talked about it. He said if he gets his first one, he wants to get it clean. But I also think Kyle Larson is still kicking himself in the butt for it because here's the chance if he does a tap to Kenseth, gets by him, he's in the race tomorrow night without having to go through all these qualifiers to get there. He has his first win. He's eligible for the chase. It changes his season by taking that little tap that just would have got Kenseth a little squirrely and been able to get by. I like the way Larson runs, though. He's a clean race car driver, and he still has the way back when, when they had that uh, race on the backstretch at Daytona whenever they were running the late models down there, and he wound up punting somebody to win, and the crowd booed him. I yeah. think he still has that in his head. He has not run like – I mean, he hasn't done that to anybody since. And then also he kind of got into Carl Edwards earlier in the race, right. and Carl and him got together this week and talked about it, but I think that might have been in his head, too, because if he gets, you make too many enemies in this sport, they're going to get you. And especially this weekend, it's no holds bar. You're going for a million bucks. They can punch you out of the way and say, oh, I was just going for the million bucks. There's a lot of revenge can be done this weekend. Absolutely, and we've seen it in the past where uh, Rusty Wallace got into Darrell Waltrip uh, and Daryl said he hopes to choke them at $20,000 back in 1989. So you're absolutely right on that. And uh, I agreed with you. I thought I thought I think Larson had the the Carl Edwards incident in his brain when he was going after Matt Kenseth. Philip Matthew, what was your thoughts here on that finish between Kenseth and Larson there? And Chase Elliott, I thought he had two young kids that were really chasing down a veteran. I thought it was a good show at the end. 
Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's been a while for me to be on a podcast. I have my own, but the uh, fact of the matter is to have you get to be able to be on the podcast is great. And uh, in terms of the finish, as a Larson fan, in the end, I wanted to see him win his first race, but he ran it the right right way. And Kansas, who's been so close all year, going and getting his first win of the year. I mean, the fact is, Gibbs, it's a Gibbs year so far in 2016. The way the rules have been, have been in Gibbs' favor. So the fact that all the Gibbs guys are now in the chase, it is what it is. When it comes to Kyle Larson being locked in to the chase, yeah, that sucks that he's not in. But I and also in the All Star race would he be locked in? Yeah, if he had won. But I have a feeling that considering the three segment format that they have with the All Star showdown, that he'll be able to win one of the uh heats, whatever you want to call it, uh between Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney and himself to the three best drivers. In, Agreed. in the showdown. So you would hope the cream rises to the top, and in that case, the three most legitimate drivers get in before the obvious stuff goes on after. Yeah, I would have loved to watch Kyle Larson win. I had, I basically had the finger on the mouse to go and buy his die cast to win for his first win die cast, kind of hoping he goes and wins at Pocono in a couple of weeks when I go there with my buddy Randy, who's a diehard <laughs> Kyle Larson fan. But the fact of the matter is it was a great race. The last half of the race, it was the best Dover race in God knows how long. I mean, right. it's it's hard to find a good Dover race in general, uh, mainly because Jimmy Johnson wins there most of the time. But the fact of the matter is for that, the last 200 laps of that race was one of the best races I've seen in years, and I've been a 26-year NASCAR fan. So the fact that Matt Kenseth won that race, he earned it, and he he knows how to win the big ones. And right. Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott has the obvious advantage compared to Ryan Blaney in terms of experience crew and all that. I mean, you know that both Chase and Ryan Blaney are going to go win at some point this year. Right. So, well, one of the things I was, I'd like to go on with that one, Clayton. Um, go ahead. I think Larson isn't close to guaranteed of getting out to, tomorrow morning. Chase Elliott is going to probably win the first segment. Austin Dillon's running as good as anybody in the Cup Series right now. Blaney's running as good as anybody in the Cup Series. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is running really good in the mile and a half. Larson's starting seventh. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of cars to get by in three segments. They're 20 laps yeah. each. I mean, all you have to do is hold it to the floor if you're in the pole the first go-round. You've got the thing. You get the pole in the second go-round, you're set. I mean, I, there's some passing you have to do, and I don't know if he's got it in him. The... Chip Ganassi Racing has not performed well in the mile and a half this year. I You're don't right. see it. I see I, the three I see coming out of there tomorrow. I see Chase. 
I see Austin Dillon. I see Ryan Blaney. Your fourth possibility is Stenhouse. The other part is, who knows how, who's going to go for it too much and cause a freaking pileup. We could end up seeing Regan Smith, who starts 19th out of it, be smart enough to keep himself clean, watch the pileup, and come around and get, win a segment. Well, Those it, are the three. Be, that's the options. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's going to be an interesting race tomorrow. You know, no practice. We really don't know what people have. We don't know who's, a, who's got a, the best setup for this race car at all. I kind of like the fact, guys, that we don't have any practice for Charlotte. But, you know, to talk about Dover quick uh, before we get into the Charlotte weekend. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a good weekend, no doubt. It was a, it was a great finish. Uh, I thought it was, like Philip had alluded to, it was one of the best Dover races we've seen in a long, long time. Um, and there were, with that, there were some very impressive finishes. Uh, you know, I, I give a call out to Clint Boyer, who finished 12th. I thought he ran really good. Um, you know, yeah, he missed the wrecks, and that's why he was up there. Same thing with Trevor Bain. Trevor Bain missed the wrecks. He wasn't really running. In, he was running in the top 20, but not the top 10, but he ended up 10th. Same thing with David Reagan in 17th. But, you know, those are good finishes for those guys. And it really helps them a lot in points, but um, absolutely, you know, I think if Larson had to do it all over again, he might move Matt Kenseth out of the way. But I think Ganassi and John, you touched on this. Ganassi has struggled uh, the last, really, the first part of the season. But these last couple of weeks, I think the 42 team in particular has hit on something. They said Chad Johnson. I know you guys probably aren't big fans, since both of you are Stewart fans of Chad Johnson, um, but. They said he's finally putting his, his knowledge from Stuart Haas Racing into these race cars, and they seem to be running a little bit better with this 42 team. So uh, maybe if, if that can happen, you know, we'll see something from Larson tomorrow. But you're right, John. You know, there's no such thing as strategy in this race tomorrow. That makes it very, very interesting because you can't take two tires to get up there. You have to pit for four tires after each 20-lap segment and then, of course, a 10-lap segment. So it's going to come down to truly racing. But there are two – both of the winners of the first two segments are going to be off the racetrack – and that's two spots that Larson's probably going to have. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, but, yeah, you know, with track position meaning so much, you know, those guys starting really fifth on back, and we'll get into the starting lineup a little bit later, uh, really are at a disadvantage. I want to talk about the, the accident uh, that, that triggered a, a huge 18-car wreck, whatever you want to call it. Took out a lot of contenders at the end of that race. Jimmy Johnson missed a shift uh, or something broke in his number 48 car. A lot of, there's a lot of speculation on what happened. Um, but it took out Harvick, it took out uh, uh, Denny Hamlin, it took out um, Kyle Busch, Joey Logano, all these guys who are really good, really fast. Kyle Larson was running good as well, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, took out a lot of contenders, Tri- Martin Tricks Jr. as well. Um, but what were your thoughts, John Hall? We'll start with you first on the wreck with Jimmy Johnson there at Dover. I think it was a transmission that broke because, I mean, once Johnson missed the shift, he tried to get it back in, and he said, I could even get it into any gear. And Dover's one of those places, and I've been to Dover about ten times, love the track. There's some really good racing there when the package is right. One of the things that you see with Dover, if the package is not right, like when it, we've run the fat, high downforce and everything, it is follow the leader. It, everybody gets strung out, and you get four or five on the lead lap at the end of the day until there's a caution and everybody takes a wave around. With Johnson on this one, the problem is it's such a self-cleaning track. Everything slides down, and once you get tapped and you slide down, every, there's nowhere to go. Dover is so tight that there's no way to get out of it. So, And everybody's just dropping the gas because it's on a restart, so everybody's foot in the floor. You don't have a chance to break that fast. 
it's one of those ones when there is a pileup, it's going to be a big, I mean, it's almost Talladega-like, except they're not doing 200 mile an hour. They're only just getting up to speed on that one. There was nothing anybody that got in that wreck could do. It was a transmission part that broke. If you look, some of the things you saw throughout the weekend, Danica had a problem with gears that caused the Stewart and Jamie McMurray to go to backup cars on the sixth last practice on Friday. Also, Kurt Busch was having the same problem. So there must be something wrong with the transmission system and the mm-hmm. gears that they're getting through the Chevro- whoever they're getting their distributing from. And a lot of it probably Stewart Haas is using the same parts Hendrick is. So they're probably relooking everything when it comes to the transmission and gearbox right now and probably using a whole different set as they go. Yeah, that's a very good point, John, about the gears. No doubt about it, there were some issues, and that could be Hendrick pushing the limits because they, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. came out this weekend and was very, very uh, honest about his opinion about Hendrick Motorsports. So behind right now for Joe Gibbs Racing, I think that's very obvious to anybody who's watching these races right now. So maybe they're pushing the limits a little bit on the gears. That could be something we're looking at as well as, as part of the issues. Uh, your thoughts, Philip Matthew, on that wreck with Jimmy Johnson uh, taking out a, a taking out a lot of the field there. Yeah, I mean, the the field, I mean, Johnson going missing shifts, he's always been known as a guy who's not the greatest on restarts, and then he goes and loses all his gears in front of the field. I mean, Martin, the, the person I felt the worst for was Martin Truex because as a Jersey guy and as a fan of Martin, uh, I'm not going to be like my uh, co-host Adam and say I like half the field, but the fact of the matter is I'm a Jersey guy and I respect Martin. But he he chose, him and Cole chose to go on the outside thinking it would be all right. Johnson goes and loses his gearbox and takes him out of the race and he's completely screwed when it was him and the 42 that had the two best cars. Him, the 42, and the two probably had three of the best cars in the whole entire field. Uh, Brad goes and wrecks with Austin Dillon, who was already wrecked before. Then you have uh, have Martin, who goes and wrecks with Johnson, along with half the field. I mean, it it was a shame that it happened. You had Durwood going and, and yelling over Jeffy and and uh, Mike Joy when he wrecked half the field because he can't take when Jimmy Johnson goes and wrecks because that's one of his favorite drivers and he makes it abundantly clear along with Kyle Busch. But, I mean, it, the wreck, it sucked that it happened. I mean, as long as the 48 wrecks, I'm not somebody that's going to be really sad about that. But, I mean, it... it you took out a lot of the quality cars and it brought Matt Kenseth to the front and it also kept Kyle Larson there to where he had a chance. It brought Chase Elliott to where we had the finish that we had. I'm going to tell you something, uh, Clayton, when you're watching that race, the best car on the track by far on Sunday was the four car. That was the first time in a long time we've seen somebody have something for Joe Gibbs Racing. They had problems in the pits, which it was funny. Like and Harvick week. was griping about it, and Rodney Childers goes, okay, we won't experiment with guns 
for the tire changing because they're trying to find a faster gun to make get the pit stops faster. They've got their berth in the chase. Now's the time to experiment on pit road, and Harvick always wants to win. So, I mean, it's one of those things Harvick said. I mean, Rodney Childers said to Harvick, hey, if we don't have the fastest gun when we come to the chase, don't be bitching about it. But Harvick yeah, was I, a class I... of the field. Truex had a great car, got caught up in the mess. I mean, it's a missed shift. It happens. It's Nobody was trying to take out the field. The last thing Johnson wants to do is take out the field because Dover is his second. Him and Dover and Martinsville, you can almost count on Johnson most of the time winning the race. It was a it was a solid race. It just happened there was a big pileup. And you don't see that all the time at Dover. Every now and then you see a four or five car. You don't see an 18 car pileup. And it just happened that Johnson missed a shift. Something he doesn't yeah, I, normally do. <laughs> right, I agree with you, and, and I think definitely think a part broke on that car, but uh, it, was, it was a great race. No doubt, there was a great finish to it. Um, you know, talk about points here real quick, and I, the reason why I want to talk about points is Casey Kane. Uh, he failed laser inspection at the end of the race at Dover, docked 15 points. His crew chief Keith Rodden was fined twenty five thousand uh, dollars for obviously failing inspection. So that dropped Casey Kane from 16th, where he was. Basically, in the chase, now he's back to 20th. Uh, you have uh, in points 16 through 20th right now, uh, as we look at the point standings, is 17 through 20th, excuse me, now would be um, Newman, Bain, Stenhouse, and Casey Kane, A.J. Almendinger, and Ryan Blaney get the last two spots in 15th and 16th. So uh, kind of a big blow for Casey Kane there. Um, you know, and there's a lot, a couple of notables that are outside this chase. We mentioned Kyle Larson. He had a terrible start to the season, 43 points out of 16. Uh, I think the only way Larson's going to make this chase, and there's other drivers back there. You got Greg, Greg Biffle, who usually is a contender for the chase. Eric Amarola, who in recent years has been contender for the chase. Other drivers out there who have uh, struggled this season. So I think those guys, Larson, um, Paul Menard, uh, Greg Biffle, and um, – Eric, I'm a roller. They're going to need to win a race, John Harlow, here in order to have a shot at making this chase. I think anybody behind Kane right now has to win a race to get in. Kane went from 16th to 20th with a with the penalty, but I think it's something he can come back, and he has quality Hendrick equipment throughout the season. They're putting it together more and more. Uh, the one thing that was interesting is nobody said what part of laser inspection he failed, and mm. Hendrick didn't appeal it. So it must right. have been something they knew that they didn't do right. But it, nobody got into, and that's one of the things I wish NASCAR was a little more transparent about. It's like, okay, you failed laser inspection. What did you fail laser inspection on? Were you too far out on the toe? Were you too far, too high, too low, too wide? Was your uh, fender pulled out too far? That would be a little better to give us an indication of what they're doing to push the envelope. I think Larson had, I mean, Larson's best chance to get in the chase was Sunday with a tap. I don't know if the other one's going to be there. I think he's got the mile and a half. He does decent on the mile and a half, but this year Ganassi hasn't had it. I mean, they started the year terrible. They're starting to get it together with Chad Johnson. But remember, there was a couple times last year where Stewart looked like he was ready to go, and they run good for a race and then they go to crap for three. Then they run good for a race, they go to crap for three. Chad has not proven anything to me except that one season with Truex, and that was 
quickly gone away the next year with Truex. I mean, they have not done. Chad Johnson has not really done anything to prove to me he needs to be the guy on anybody's pit box. So we'll see what happens going down the road. This will be a good. This weekend will be a good indication of what Kyle Larson's going to do this year because it's a mile and a half. We have a bunch of them to go yet. The intermediate tracks are half of the chase, so we'll see mm-hmm. what happens. I don't think yeah, Kyle and- Larson, if he doesn't win a race, he will not get in the chase, and I think his best chance was Sunday. Yeah, it's it's. It, I agree with you. I think he needs to win a race, no doubt about it. I think there there's he's just too far back with how bad he got off to a start, and there's a lot of the reasons to that. But it's funny to me because you mentioned Casey Kane and Philip Matthew. Get your opinion on this year. Um, Casey Kane's been running pretty good lately, and all of a sudden they get penalized. So you have to wonder if maybe they found something that was maybe pushing the tolerances a little bit. And now I think it's going to be very interesting All-Star Week. Well, not All-Star because maybe they're going to try something, but a very interesting couple of weeks after this race here coming up for Casey Kane to see if he's figured out something because uh, if they have something figured out or if they're pushing the tolerances, and that's why he was running really good. Um, Philip Matthew, before we move on to the Xfinity race at Dover, Real quick, uh, your final thoughts on the cup race at Dover. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about Casey Kane and his penalty, I mean, I think as much as anything, it's a they made him the scapegoat for Hendrick Motorsports because the fact is you look at Dale Earnhardt Jr., he's had three or four air quote written warnings, air quote, uh, you've had Jimmy Johnson with like four or five air quote written warnings air quote. The the fact of the matter is the 48 and the 88 are what bre- they butter the bread with those guys when it comes to uh, BZF and his cronies. And the fact that one thing is like what John said. I mean the trans. I I always say this on social media. I always have the hashtag on Twitter, consistently inconsistent with NASCAR. They're using Casey Kane as a scapegoat for the fact that he's probably doing what the 48 and 88 are doing, but they just use the five because it's whatever. Uh, The fact of the matter is him going down from 16th to the 20th, he's going to be able to get the points back. If it was somebody like Larson or any of the other guys like Eric Almarola, those guys that really need all the help they can get, it would be a problem. Uh, Casey Kane fell short of the chase. He always gets close to the chase no matter what, whether he's not really a factor or he is. He usually gets there. Uh, yeah. He's always in that. And the yeah. fact of the matter is with with other guys, with Larson, I feel like he will win at some point this year because he's just due. Just based off of, you know, sheer, you know, uh, attrition, he's finally going to win a race. Not because oh, wait, Chad wait, Johnson wait, 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 wait. Come on. This, it, you're, going, you're going down a rabbit hole that nobody – Carl Larson isn't going to win a race because of sheer attrition. If that's the case, David Reagan's going to win a race. Matt Benedetto's going to win a race. He's not I mean, that Kyle bad. Larson is not I mean, that good. Stewart is going to win a race before Kyle Larson does, and Stewart hasn't been competitive in three years. Biffle will win a race because he's due. I mean, it doesn't well, make I sense. Don't think, 
don't if think Roush you, I don't If think you Roush look at his rookie year and how competitive he was. And look at Stewart's last 15 years. I mean, it, doesn't, it just doesn't add up. He's got a crew chief who's not good. He's running Ganassi equipment who has not shown consistency since they've come into the Cup Series. They've made the chase once with Jamie McMurray the whole time they've been there. You can't say with any consistency that there's any chance in hell Kyle Larson makes his chase before Biffle, Stewart, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., me, Clayton, or anybody else who might be listening. Nine seven eight nine eight two eight zero. if you want to join the conversation in on anything we've talked about tonight, but uh, it, it's listen. It, it's up for grabs, no doubt about it. And um, you know, it, it's going to be a wild, wild finish uh, to the season. You know, hey, it's going to be wild. And, and John, some very strong opinion. I love it, guys. That was great. Some very strong opinions there. Uh, I didn't even get to who, finish what I was going to say, but whatever. It's all good. Not so. We move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series race real quick. And the reason why I want to bring this up is, you know. Eric Jones wins. Joe Gibbs Racing has been really, really fast. Um, but there were some good finishes for these guys. Darrell Wallace Jr., Alex Bowman finished third. That was a good run. He led a lot of laps. He looked great in that junior motorsports car. Um, but what I want to touch on, guys, is the are the heat races here in this Xfinity Series. Um, we've run three of them. There's going to be a fourth one at Indianapolis. Um, and I just want to get John Harlow first. I want to get your opinion quick on these heat races. What do you think about them? What do you think that – could they work eventually? Um, and if not, should the NASCAR just throw them away? Or what do you think about these heat races here in the Xfinity Series so far? The one thing when it comes to the heat races in the Xfinity Series, so what? I really could care less. It's nice to have two guys in each one of them be eligible for the dash for cash. The Xfinity Series, to me, and Clayton, you've heard me say it a billion times, until they get the cup owners and drivers out of there, it's useless. I'd rather watch the trucks because at least you know the trucks are the truck series drivers. Once in a blue moon, you'll get Keselowski or Bush running their own equipment. But most of the time, it's people running the truck series all season long. The Xfinity series, it's Gibbs equipment. Yeah, Eric Jones is going to be driving a furniture row car next year. Guarantee it with Joe Gibbs backing. That's how it's going to work. He's driving a Joe Gibbs car. Matt Tift is driving Kyle Busch's car. And you wonder why, I mean, everybody's catching up. The junior motorsports folks are catching up to Suarez, Jones, and Matt Tift. But when Kyle Busch gets back in that 18, here we go. It's going to be the Kyle Busch show again. That's very possible. No doubt about it. It just doesn't matter. And you get the people who run the Xfinity Series regular. I like the way Junior does it. He runs a couple regular guys, and then he has an all-star car. And the all-star car, in reality, is almost the experimental car because he's trying to get the other two guys to win the championship. I think the all-star car is just to help fund everything else. It makes it fun for the drivers. They enjoy driving it, but it's not out there to say, okay, we're going to win every damn race we put our car in. We're going to do the best we can. We may experiment with this car so then they can do better with the other drivers. I mean, it can help. 
Sadler, it can help Allgaier from something they learned from the All-Star car. It has been a, a much better show in the Xfinity Series since Kyle Busch has been out. I mean, we saw Junior win. Junior hadn't won a, a, a non-plate in Xfinity Series race in about 10 years. Um, Eric Jones has won some races. And I thought Alex Bowman's run was really refreshing this week. Um, he was up there up front for the first part of the main, and then a caution came out that was questionable. But uh, I thought he ran really good, and that was nice to see because Bowman's a guy who was supposed to be running cup full-time this year. Uh, that didn't really work out the way he expected it. Um, you know, January lost his ride, and he's running these, I think it's like nine races, I believe is the number he's got at Junior Motorsports. And then, uh, but so for him to run good and prove that he, and, and good stuff, he can really run good. It was nice to see for Alex Bowman, I thought. But uh, these heat races, to me, I don't know if heat races can ever work in NASCAR because, you know, when I think about heat races, I think about dirt racing. It's plain and simple. And um, I think when you are in dirt racing and you get these heat races, you can do any kind of adjustment you want to do to the car where, you know, if you want to change the stagger on the tires or whatever you want to do between the heat and the main, you can do whatever you basically want to do. Right now with NASCAR, this inspection is so tight, more tight than it's ever been in NASCAR history. I just don't think there's a way to make it make sense where, yeah, these guys can come down. They make, it, they make certain adjustments. They make adjustments to the um, to different parts of the race car, but it's not major, major, major adjustments. And the only way we're going to see that is if, if we see teams uh, maybe have it a, a way way prior, and I don't think NASCAR wants these races, these heat races, six seven hours prior to the Cup race or to the, to the main to the main race. And I, don't, I don't think that's the right way to go. So these heat races have been they've been, you know, I think the, the last two have been much better than the first, um, but it's still very much work in progress and uh, to bring it to Cup. And so Matthew, before I let you go here, we're having some audio is, uh, issues for you. By the way, I'm not sure what, uh, but so we're gonna. I'll give you this opinion here on the um, the heat races in the Xfinity Series before I let you go. Uh, what were your thoughts on the heat races here in the NASCAR Xfinity Series? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's just give me a second here. Uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to the Xfinity Series heat races, I mean, it's they're uh, to me. The format of e-races as a dirt fan, dirt racing fan, they're too long and the main is too short because they're trying to fit the NASCAR mold into the dirt racing mold, which it's just not going to happen. The fact of the matter is using it as a method to go and bring the dash for cash as a as a, you know, bringing those regulars in and having them have the opportunity based on how they finish in the heats, okay, that's fine. Um, Indianapolis Motor Speedway might be one of the worst racetracks ever for a stock car, and they shouldn't be racing there at all, but that's a whole other segment. That's for a whole other show. Right. It may help there, but in terms of the short tracks, okay, fine, it's Kind of a, it kind of helps, but you know, it, the the one benefit I saw from it is that okay, you had 40 laps or 30 laps or 25 or whatever the heck they had during these first few races to go and run and see 
where your car was at. So basically a run. And then you can go and adjust and go into the, quote, main. And then it may improve the regulars camp versus the cup guys. When Kyle Busch would be in the race, you knew Kyle Busch was going to win before, even, before the race was even started. Now that right. he's not really in as much, it kind of improves the ability for the regulars. We talked yeah. about Bowman, who got a short end of the stick with Tommy Baldwin. He's trying to prove himself again, and he did relatively well. I mean, you're talking about Jeff Dahlgeier, who won a heat. Uh, last Saturday, he's a regular who probably, I mean, he was a cup guy, brought brought himself back down because he saw the cup opportunities not being as good as being in a junior motorsports car. Regan right. Smith thought the other way. I mean, you, you know, it's it, in the end, do I like the heat races? It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of gimmicky the way NASCAR's trying to go. I mean, but yeah, the fact is, it's a step towards, you know, trying to help make the show a little better. Do I think it's the right idea to go with for the future? I mean, that's for another day. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I... The, the races have been okay. Could be better. Xfinity needs a lot of help. As Jean yeah. said, the truck series is a lot better. If it, it weren't is. for the shot clock, it would be it would be a lot it would be a heck of a lot better. The stupid shot clock between that and having MW fifty five and Vince Welsh calling the races, I mean it's a disaster. But otherwise the truck series is in a great place yeah. in terms of what they have going for it. There are things to improve, but it's a lot better than Xfinity. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. And Philip, again, thank you for calling. It's just there's something going on with your phone, but it, it it's cutting in and out as far as uh, clear clarity goes. But uh, call back next week. We'll we'll definitely have you on, John. Um, as we move forward here with the show, uh, you know, to put a bow on these seat races, um, I, I think, you know, like I said before, to to finish it up here, um, I, I think we're gonna need. The only way these work is if if you know, we do it like a dirt race, and I think that's part of the reason. I kind of want to keep this dirt fan interested in NASCAR, but um, they've been, like I said, the first one was I thought was a disaster. These other two, last two have been okay because they've been letting them work on their race cars, but to me there's so much more they can do to these race cars that they can't do while they wait. So I think it, it's a, um, it, it's very much work in progress, to say the least, if, if that's the nicest thing I can say about it, for sure. Um Okay, you know, one of the big stories, John, this weekend was Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick um, has been in the news a lot lately. There was a, a report that he was going to stay on at um, – uh, go to Hendrick Motorsports, be with Hendrick for a while. For a while. Now he's out, going to stay with Stuart Haas Racing and move to them with Ford. Uh, so that's official now, a, a multi-year contract he signed with the team. Uh, so the, there's a lot of Harvick fans, and I heard him call, talking about um, – the, very upset about Harvick leaving Chevrolet. What are your thoughts about Kevin Harvick? Do you think he made the right move? Do you think it was possibly he could have stayed at Chevrolet? Well, 
there's three things that factor into this, the way I looked at it, and we've talked about it for months about this. Whenever the first announcement of Stuart Haas going to Ford, the next week we talked about the possibility of Harvick's contract being up. There was a two-year contract extension that was already in place. He said about it. He said, I thought my contract's good for another couple years anyhow. So you've got that in place. Stuart Haas is not going to Ford with Tony retiring without Kevin Harvick in play. Kevin Harvick was under contract to SHR. He said he wanted to be there. He left Childress to drive for one of his best friends. So why would you do, okay, I'm going to go to Hendrick. Harvick is the number one car at Stuart Haas. There's no doubt about it. The car that is the flag bearer at Stuart Haas is the number four with Kevin Harvick driving and Rodney Childress as the crew chief. He's led more laps in his two and a half years at Stuart Haas than he did for 13 years at Childress. There's common sense there. The other part when you look at it, if you go to Hendrick, you might be the third driver at best. You know, six times getting the best stuff. You know, Junior's paying for the most stuff because his sponsorship costs more than anything. So, and Chase Elliott is the legacy coming up through the ranks, and he's in Gordon's car. The five car has been the experimental car since the day they created Hendrick Motorsports. So, you know, Harvick is going to be, okay, do I want to be number one over here where I'm the flag bearer and everybody's going to give me the best stuff? Or am I going over here where I'm hoping that I'm not the experimental car anymore. It right. didn't and make sense to begin with. Yeah, that was, that's a very good point. I think it's something that when you think about it, John, I, I said this from the beginning, and I, I just felt, Stuart Haas Racing felt they were going to lose Kevin Harvick for the move to Ford. I don't think it would have done that move to Ford. I really don't think it would have stayed with Chevrolet and said, you know what, we want to keep Harvick. Um, I think Chevrolet, there was some truth I think Chevrolet really wanted to keep Harvick, and they were very disappointed in losing him because there's a lot of Chevrolet fans who love Kevin Harvick, and rightfully so. He took over for Dale Earnhardt. At one time of, of Harvick's career, he was sponsored by Chevrolet. So there's no doubt um, he definitely had some um, – he definitely had some Chevrolet loyal Chevrolet fans. And I heard a guy this weekend call up on, on – on the radio and say, you know, he still didn't believe Harvick was not going to be in a Chevrolet next year. And it was, well, too bad he's going to be in a Chevrolet. So, um, you know, to me, it's, it's a, it's a fact where he's definitely, he's going to stay with Rodney Childers. I think that's a huge, huge factor in it. Where Rodney Childers is a guy who is looked at as one of the best crew chiefs in the garage area. When he left MWR, it seemed like the team took a, took a little bit of a tailspin, uh, as far as performance went. And then of course we had Spingate and that was another whole deal. But, um, I think Rodney Childers is, is a great crew chief. I think Harvick is comfortable with him. Um, it, I think there might be a little bit of a role next year when Stuart Haas building their own, starting to build their own chassis again uh, for the first time in a while. There might be a little bit of a, of a lull there for the first part of the year. But uh, Ford will give them top-notch information, give them all the information, they, all the support they need. So uh, it might not be long for sure. But Well, the one thing um, I look at it, whenever you come to that, Clayton, is Rex Stump is going to be the lead chassis builder at Stuart Haas. Rex Stump created the T-Rex. Rex Stump was the main chassis guy at Hendrick for a long time. Tony did not 
hitch his wagon to Ford without putting the parts in place before he hitched the wagon up where he realized he had to build his own chassis. The other part of it is Harvick coming from Chevy to Ford is less of a surprise than Tony Stewart going from Chevy to Ford. Because Tony Stewart, the one year in Toyota for Gibbs, he ran well, he won a few races, but he was begging to get out. He wasn't even in there half a year before they created Stuart Haas Racing. I mean, he was begging to get out of the Toyota to get back to the Chevy camp. I think what Tony and Gene Haas are trying to do, and the other part is with, with the Harvick deal, and you and I were talking about this online earlier today, everybody thinks Rick Hendrick is the greatest thing in NASCAR, and Rick Hendrick has done a lot with Hendrick Motorsports. Gene Haas can buy and sell Rick Hendrick twice a day and three times on Sunday. He is a multi-billionaire. Rick, Rick Hendrick's done well for himself, but he's still a used car dealer to begin with. Gene Haas has created the CNC machines that make most of the parts that everybody puts together. He can buy and sell Rick Hendrick. Do you think the dollar signs were not going to be a problem for Harvick and Stuart Haas? He just went and built a Formula One team. That's a good. That's a very. That's a very strong point. Uh, and I agree. I think it, you know. At the end of the day, it came down to, um, you know, I just think Harvick obviously made the right decision. There's no doubt. And I don't. I don't know if there was another decision even on the table for Kevin Harvick. That's all speculation. Um, but there's no doubt. I think Chevrolet was very disappointed. They lost Harvick, but they got four other great drivers. Four other drivers who are very well known: Kane, Johnson, uh, Chase Elliott, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. In their camp, and other drivers, Kyle Larson is, is going to turn into a talent. Uh, yeah, Jamie McMurray. So maybe they can focus and, and spread their things uh, throughout that branch. But I think it's a big blow. I don't think Chevrolet's too happy about it. But it doesn't really matter what Chevrolet thinks because they're going to Ford and Harvick's staying at Ford, and that's all that really matters with this whole situation. Uh, but there's just, and like, there's I mean, I'm it, looking through right now. Tom Jensen from Fox Sports put this out earlier. Harvick had a press conference at Charlotte today in the middle of the rain because they didn't have anything better to do. He said, Harvick said flat out, Stuart Haas had a two-year option for his services for 17 and 18. There was no chance of him moving to Hendrick or anywhere else because Stuart Haas had the option, and you know Tony was going to keep the boy. On top of that, Harvick went to Casey Kane and said, Nobody's come to me. Nobody's talked to me. Run your car. Do what you're going to do. I'm not going to Hendrick. And he said it all along. The sad part is it's some irresponsible journalists who keep saying, well, sources say Harvick was so funny on his Twitter feed. Who do you believe, insider sources or the social media of the person in question? Right. It, yeah, it, it just it, makes definitely. sense. Definitely makes uh, definitely interesting. Um, so, at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it was the right move. And again, I still I felt a Stuart Haas when they originally announced they were going to Ford. I said, you know what, they're gonna they they wouldn't have made this move if they were gonna lose Kevin Harvick. And at the end of the day, that's what happened. They didn't lose Kevin Harvick. They got him. They got him signed to a long term contract now, a multi year contract, set in stone. Everything is good for Kevin Harvick. If you're a Kevin Harvick fan, he's gonna be driving a Ford next season. I know you might not like it. But too bad he's going to drive forward next season. Okay, Sprint Showdown, John. It's going to be tomorrow at 11 a.m. Um, starting on the polls, Chase Elliott. They're going by owner points because uh, qualifying was rained out. Uh, the race was rained out today too, and so was qualifying. So they're going to go by owner points. Uh, Chase Elliott's on the pole. You give a quick rundown here: Austin Dillon, second; Ryan Blaney, third; AJ Allmendinger, 
Trevor Bain, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr., Kyle Larson, Paul Menard, Dan Patrick, Greg Biffle, the top ten. Then it's Eric Amarola, Clint Boyer, Landon Castle, Casey Mears, Brian Scott in 15th, Michael McDowell, David Reagan, Nancy Benedetto, Regan Smith, and Chris Bush for 20th. The rest of the field, the rest of the five, is Michael Annette, Cole Witt, Jeffrey Earnhardt, Reed Sorensen, and Josh Wise. No practice time here, John. New tire for the Cup guys. Give uh, me a new rules package as well. Give me a very interesting race tomorrow afternoon. The one thing I was listening to a couple of the drivers um, tonight whenever I was <clears throat> on a drive was some of them were saying, you're going to see a lot of sparks tomorrow because we don't know if we have a ride height trite or we don't know if this. It's, as, you know, as Tommy Baldwin said, you drive what you brought. And I think it's pretty cool that they do that. The only thing I wish they would do, I'm not saying heat races. I'm saying go out and run five hot laps so you can get your get your splitter off the track. Give them a chance to do that. Run five hot laps and then go. Almost think that's the way they ought to do it from now on. I want to see how they do it without practice. I want to see what they drive when they brought. Because if you come off the truck and you suck, hey, there's your prep work. I think you should do I think I mean that's what happens when you go dirt racing. That happens when you go anywhere else. There isn't a boatload of practice any place you go other than NASCAR. They practice more than they race. Yeah, and I think, John, uh, not to, to interrupt you, but I think it's something interesting as well where I feel this way. If you're a fan of, of underdog teams for uh, you know somebody who – a team that struggles and might not have the engineers, to me with this sport, when, they, when these big teams get on the track, they sit there and they go, okay um, – we had, didn't hit the setup, but we're going to figure it out because we have all the engineers. We're going to put our heads together and figure it out. Now, without practice, they don't have that. So you basically, it's up to what they thought was right. They don't know for sure what is right, and they can't. it's going to be harder for them to predict. I truly believe less practice will help level the playing field. I've been saying that for years and years and years, and I don't think a lot of people agree with that, but I think less practice help level the playing field and I think the cup guys especially in, in the Xfinity series I feel this way um, where if, if these cup teams go out there and practice all the time they're going to have their cup engineers there they're going to bounce questions off the cup guys so it's a lot it's a, it's a very very interesting um, thought about it so um, but I agree with you I, I, like, I would like to see less practice in there no doubt about it I think it's a very it's going to be a very interesting thing tomorrow you know, who knows? Maybe Chase Elliott in the 24 car missed a setup, and there's not going to be a lot of time to work on it. If they miss the first 20 laps and fall back to seventh, there's only 30 laps to go, so they got to have to figure it out. And, again, strategy isn't going to be as prevalent because they have to come down and take four tires. It's not like they can sit there and say, well, you have to make a pit stop and take two or four. That would make it a little bit more interesting because maybe you can gain a spot or two on pit road because you took two tires. Now everybody's going to be taking four tires. Uh, so it, it's – Again, I agree with you. I think if you start, you know, let's, if we look at the lineup here quick, if you're somebody who's starting 10th on back, you know, Greg Biffle to me is at the most is the guy who has – the last guy who has a chance at this race. I think if you start 11th, 12th, you know, Eric Marola might have a fast car, but I just don't think with track position and the way with only 50 laps in this race, I just don't see those guys getting up there. You mentioned Kyle Larson. It's a bummer for him because I think he would have been very – he would have been faster than the, than the Rash cars maybe faster than A.J. Allmendinger. He might have been in the top five, top six in qualifying, and he could have worked his way up through there uh, a little bit easier. But 
um, yeah, no doubt about it. I think it's going to be a great race tomorrow because, again, these guys can't work on their race cars. Um, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun to watch. And I hope, you know, maybe we see somebody like a, like a Casey Mears run really good and get his way up there. And even if they don't win, just see them have a nice run and, and perform. I think that'd be great to see. I think, as you said, I think the top five is the ones who have the best chance. I think if you're outside the top five, you're hoping for the fan vote. And that's where we're going to get Danica. And to be honest, I really hope it's Matt DiBenedetto who gets the fan vote in. I love the way the kid just puts his nose down, does the best he can. He's in not-so-great equipment. He's in Michael Waltrip hand-me-downs. And if Michael Waltrip Racing wasn't that great last year, so they're in the hand-me-downs from there. They do have some of the engineering support from Michael that came from the the, the disillusion, of the, I mean, this, the team disappearing. So some of the engineers came over to BK Racing, but his sixth-place finish at Bristol, to me, is the story of the season so far. I mean, the feel-good story of the season. I want to see yeah. Matt Benedetto get one of the fan votes in. I don't think he's starting close enough to the front to even have a chance at it. He's even basically said, I think we're too far back because we didn't get a chance to qualify. There's too many good cars up in front of us. You don't have enough time. So he's politicking like crazy to get in the fan vote. And <laughs> no anybody doubt. who's listening who has a chance to vote, vote Matt Benedetto in the fan vote for the All-Star Race tomorrow. Well, I think, honestly, John, as, as uh, I think the fan vote's done now because it was supposed to go until about two hours before a green flag in this race, which was supposed to be run tonight. And no, that's no longer the case, obviously. But I think the fan vote is done. But hopefully for Benedetto, he does get in. You're right. It was a great Great. Um, it was a great story at 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 Bristol, like you said. A sixth place run was a feel good story of the year. I, I like I, I like the fact that we where we did last year, we had two cars in the transfer spots, three to me is too many, and two fan vote drivers. Which that's what people forget this year. We have two fan vote drivers this year. Where one is most likely definitely going to be Danica Patrick, and I think that's why Matthew Benedetto, a guy like Matthew Benedetto. Uh, maybe even David Reagan's odds, who Reagan was sounded like he was in the top five, those odds increase a little bit because we're going to have two fan votes. When you look at the fan vote drivers, Chase Elliott's in there, Ryan Blaney's in there, and I think those guys, for the most part, have pretty, got a pretty good chance, especially Chase Elliott, to transfer. So you take those two guys out of the equation, it's pretty, pretty much anybody's game for that second fan vote. I think Danica's going to get one of the two, but for the other one, I think it's pretty much anybody's games, whether it's DiBenedetto, whether it's Reagan, whether it's somebody else who we don't see. You know, it could be a Kyle Larson. If he doesn't advance, uh, it could be anybody's game, maybe Ricky Stenhouse Jr. So that makes it a little bit interesting, but I don't like the fact that we're taking two fan, fan votes this year, John. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, this is an all-star race, and this is what, And I wrote an article on, on our, our site, RacingInCircles.com, for our blog about this. I thought NASCAR had the number one all-star race in, mo- in all of sports as far as how you qualified to get in. Now, the format the last few years has been absolutely absurd. Uh, but I think for, for finally, for this year, they have a good format. I, I said it last week. I'm very intrigued on how with these guys that they take four tires and whether we transfer t- 9, 10, or 11. I'm very intrigued on how that's going to work. I think it's going to work. But I think the way to get into this race is absolutely absurd. Now they have a minimum of 20 drivers. Sort of like what we saw with the Bud Shootout slash Spin Unlimited, whatever you feel like calling it, in recent years, we have to have a minimum. I don't understand that. It drives me crazy because this is an all-star race, and there's a certain amount of pit drivers who are all-stars and a certain amount who aren't. 
And I like the fact that we had a fan vote that we took one driver because the fans felt like they were important and they were a part of the race. I like that. Taking two is way, way, way too many, in my opinion. Way too many. And at the end of the day, I just think we need to look at it and say, this is an all-star race. You see, if you won a race, if you won the all-star race, or if you were a champion, you were in. If you didn't, you had a chance to race your way in. If you didn't do that, tough luck. I think part of the the part of the thing where they're trying with this is they keep throwing. We need more fan people in there because if you're not a fan of the 15 drivers who are in there, there's a 50-50 chance you're not racing. You're not watching the race on Saturday night. So they're doing everything they can to get more fans in. The fact of the matter is half of the damn half of the damn All Star race. I mean, the All Star race is half of the field. So you're telling me that 50% of your field are all-stars. It just doesn't make sense. I mean, I like the way it was before. You win a race, you're in. You're a past champion, you're in. You're an all-star race winner, you're in. That should be it. Maybe one fan vote. Maybe one spot transfers out of the best of the rest. But this isn't a everybody gets a participation trophy these are supposed to be the best of the best. It's not like Major League Baseball, where every team has to have an all-star. <clears throat> Even when you're like the Phillies of last year and you're lucky to win 70 games, but you still got an all-star because you have to have one. We've got to have every team represented. It's crap. They need to stick to the original way it was. The one thing I'm looking forward to seeing, and you'll be able to tell tomorrow night watching the first 50-lap segment, if that tire falls off, You'll see people running for the sh- running for the win in the second segment. If the tire doesn't fall off, you'll see people fighting to get back to twelfth and thirteenth to make sure yeah. that they're on. Because if it's for that thirteen laps, if that car- tire does not fall off, I'll take the pole position with thirteen laps to go and keep it on the bottom and say good luck knocking me out of the way. Well, it's, you're right, and I think a lot of Sprint Cup, the, the all-star drivers are going to be watching that showdown to see how the tire does fall off. Uh, and it's going to be different a little bit, I think, at night when it's a little bit cooler and stuff like that, but still, the tire is brand new. It's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, the tire is going to play a big, big, big role in this race on Sunday. Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting. Um, we have Lee from Virginia calling in, I believe. Lee? How you doing, guys? How you doing? Always good to um, have Lee from Virginia on the show. What do you want to talk about, Lee? We got about five minutes left. Yeah, I think this All Star race is going to be interesting, and and I, I just I feel for Goodyear and the fact that this is really solely on their shoulders. Where if this tire doesn't fall off, we're going to hear about how Goodyear uh, you know ruined the race and didn't do a good job. And really, you know, we need to figure out and be a format that that shouldn't rely so much on just the tire being there. Um, I think you both made good points in the fact that half the field is all-stars. I think that's ridiculous. Um, listen, there was a great race on Sunday at Dover Downs. It took two cars to have that great race, a third guess with Chase Elliott in there, but it really could have only been a great race with just two cars, and really there wasn't even a pass that took place because Larson never really passed Matt Kenseth. But, um, and it, you know, and the fact that everybody thinks you need 20 drivers to have a, you know, 20 drivers makes a better race rather than 10, I think is ridiculous because we just, it just showed you that two cars, you don't even, you forget Casey Kane finished fourth in that race. 
because there was only two cars and three cars that really mattered in that race. So how, how does 10 matter more than 20 matter more than 10? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Your half your field shouldn't be all-stars. And, you know, if your fans aren't going to watch the race without their driver in it, what's going to happen when their driver retires anyway? You need to promote better drivers. You can promote drivers that win and run up front. Because you know these fans aren't here; they're not sustainable race fans if they're not watching without their driver in the race anyway. Serious. That's a very good point, Lee. I agree with you, and, and it's something that uh, NASCAR has pointed to as far as why they think there's a decrease in ratings. Well, that that they lost Jeff Gordon and they're going to lose Tony Stewart next year. Well, you know, if you're promoting these drivers and you're saying, well, they won't watch without Danica in the race. Um, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why they did the two two van I think they really believe Danica brings people eyeballs to television. And, again, you know, it drives me nuts because this was a great – when you talk to – I've talked to baseball fans a lot. Um, they say, you know, we wish we had a different format where the fans didn't didn't vote the players in because it, there's a lot of the times where there's not a lot of all-stars who belong in, in the event because the fans voted them in. And we had a format in NASCAR where we had a great format where that wasn't the case. You were an all-star because you earned it. That's no longer the case, John Harlow, and it's it bothers me. Uh, I'm 100 percent in agreement. I think the All Star. I mean, the other part is the All Star race is just a, a time killer. It's another way for Bruton Smith to make some money at Charlotte. It's another way for NASCAR to make some money by tickets in the seat, TV ratings, or having TV show up and make money off of it. It doesn't do anything if you really think about it. A million bucks to these guys is barely a race weekend anymore. You're so right. The big prize isn't anything. They're going out and destroying new cars for a million bucks just to say we got a trophy. So it's really not for that. Make it a $10 million race, then you might see something. Oh, yeah. The one thing well, is you keep going with it and you say about the ratings and the different things like that. And I said it the past couple of weeks NASCAR is in trouble. And the more I think of it and thought about it this week, we talked about Stewart retiring, Biffle's on the edge, Johnson's in his 40s, Harvick just turned 40. You've got a bunch of your big-name drivers who are in their 40 range. Let's look at the owners. Rick Hendricks, 70. Roger yeah. Pinsky, 75. Jack Roush yeah. is in his 70s. Joe Gibbs is in his 70s. And J.D. isn't as healthy as he used to be. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the next batch of owners and that's why You've we got have Tony Stewart think, with Gene Haas's money but other than that there is not a young group of owners in there Chip Ganassi's in his 60s yeah I think that's why we have the new format with the um franchising clause because I think that that that's something that was very re- a very real problem where you know if you fell off you fell off but now you can kind of sell your team and if, if these guys aren't getting old and they realize that they're losing a little bit. They can sell to somebody who would want to buy it and who wants to buy that. It's, you know, that's another discussion for another day, but it, it's a very fair point. Lee, I'm sorry we have to we have to go here on the last minute of the show, but thanks no. for calling in, and uh, it, it was great hearing from you. Great show, guys. You guys do a tremendous job. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Lee from Virginia, always a great caller here. I want to thank everybody. Uh, John Harwell, Philip Matthew, we lost you uh, due to audio issues, um, but Great show tonight. And um, real quick, John Harlow, before we sign off, uh, give me who you think is going to transfer into the race and the all-star win. we got 30 seconds. Um, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, 
and I'll go with a sleeper of Stenhouse that transfers in. I think the winner of the All-Star race, I'm going pure heart, Tony Stewart. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go with the man who created the rules for this race. I'm going to go Brad Keselowski. Uh, and my transfers real quick before I go will be Blaney, Larson, and Elliott. Good night, everybody. <laughs>